We have a word from the ninth chapter of the Gospel of John. I'm going to read a couple of verses, talk about it, read a couple more, all right, until we go through our lesson tonight. So we're in John chapter 9, starting verse 1. If you don't have a Bible or anything like that, no worries. Just I'm going to read it for your hearing. As he was passing by, he saw a man blind from birth. First of all, this is Jesus. So this is one of the biographies of Jesus written by his follower named John. And he says, as Jesus was walking by a man blind from birth, verse 2, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, I want, I want you to know something here. This blind man is standing by the road and he's begging. And one thing that we see a lot of times is when we are like at Cooper Hospital or over on 130 just around here or anywhere where we see somebody begging, a lot of times our minds quickly assume that the one who's begging is somebody begging because they have a habit, right? But uh, my family, my wife, my kids, um, we've had the opportunity to like, live in other parts of the world. And other parts of the world are very similar to the way the world was in the Near East, in Israel, when Jesus walked. And if you had a disability, if you were suffering under any kind of crushing poverty, there was no welfare system. There was no check. There was no support. And your only option was to be out there on the street. And I remember walking through the streets of Bombay, and you would see families, mother, father, like they're married, they're together. There's no habit, there's no drugs. They got their pot that they cook in. They got their blanket. They go out and they get the grass. They get what they can. Their, their life is sweeping the streets and begging. They didn't even have a disability. And what, I, what, I'm, what we see here is a man who was born blind. And so in this world, in this typical world, all he could do is beg to live. All he could do is beg to live. And what did the disciples do? What do we read that they do? In verse 2, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? What are they doing? Are they loving him? You can say yes or no. Is that loving? If you were to walk by somebody who was blind and on the street and begging, and you were to look at him and be like, what's wrong with him? They're not even talking to the guy directly. They're talking about him and about his problems. Has anybody ever had that experience? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ever had the experience of being diagnosed? Ever had the experience of being labeled? Being told these are the four things that are wrong with you. 550. <laughs> Amen. And what the disciples 
of Jesus do is they are quick to try to analyze this guy's situation. They're quick to try to figure out this guy's situation. They're quick to talk about him as though he were not a person but just a problem that they could coldly and from a distance talk about. Let's see what Jesus does. Verse 3. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, answered Jesus. This came about so that God's works might be displayed in him. See, when other people hate, and not just other people, but by the way, people who call themselves Christians, people who are called here in the text Jesus' disciples, followers of Jesus, when all they can do is tell you, like when your car's broken down on the highway and they roll down the window and they say, you should have got gas, idiot, right? Like, when all they can do is try to figure out the problem, give you a label, give you a reason for why you're suffering, Jesus has a different plan. See, Jesus is not okay seeing us blind. He's not okay seeing us hurting. He's not okay seeing us struggling. Sometimes his followers are. He says in verse 4, he says, we must do the works of him who sent me while it's day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus had a real sense of purpose. He had a real sense of purpose. We got some roofers here. When do you go? You go on the roof at midnight? This is going to be tough. It's going to be tough. You're not trying to go on the roof now because you die. <laughs> the sun kill you, right? You try to get up there early. And Jesus is saying, look, you work. You work when you can see what you're doing. And as long as we're living, and it, for him, as long as he was living on this earth, he was demonstrating, displaying God's power, showing off what God was like by doing things that showed God's goodness. You ever wonder why all the miracles of Jesus are like all the same type of things? I mean, there's not a lot of miracles or a lot of records of Jesus doing just trippy things just to show off his power. It's not like I can just stand on this rock and make the rock, like, make me levitate, right? Like, that's, what we, that, that's, that's the kind of stuff we would expect from someone who just was a man but, but also God, there's all kinds of things. He could just say, I'm just going to write in the sky. <laughs> I'm the one. I'm the one you've been waiting for. <laughs> there are so many things he could have done. But you know, all of the signs, nearly all of the signs, are healings. Where he touches the untouchable, where he touches the leper, where he touches people who, if you were to touch them, you were to get that disease, Right? Where, where he goes to a girl, a, a little girl's funeral and tells the little girl, rise, get up. 
where he goes to the person sitting on the side of the road who can't walk, and he says, get up, take your mat. He's having lunch with his friends, and somebody cuts the roof. You know, they had those thatch roofs, and somebody actually cuts the roof and takes some ropes and lowers a dude down. The dude, Jesus can't even have lunch, <laughs> right? And people are pressing in on him. And why is it always the same kind of display of power? Because he could have displayed his power in any way. But it's because he's revealing what God is like. And God is a God of healing. As we sung in that song, God is a God who has a reckless love. He's a God who comes after us. We sang this. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down and fights till I'm found. It leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. You know why God's love has to be so reckless? I know why you know, because we're hard-headed. <laughs> right? We run. We run and we run and we run. And yet God doesn't stop chasing after us. And then we see verse 6, he says, After these, he said these things, he spit on the ground, and he made some mud from the saliva, and he spread mud on his eyes. This is the blind man's eyes. And he said, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. And so he left. And he washed, and he came back seeing. One interesting fact about this is this pool of Siloam, for like the last few hundred years, the idea was a lot of these places people thought were just made up because it's like the, the story of Jesus sounds incredible. sounds wild. <laughs> so when you read like historical, critical, academic guys like uh, from like even 50 years ago, pool of Siloam, it's just like John just pulled it out of nowhere. It's not a place. Except in 2004, archaeologists found the Pool of Siloam. <laughs> they found a pl this place. And, and what's interesting about it is people would sit there. It was a well-known place where people would sit and they would beg and they would wait for healing. <laughs> See, other people including those who say they follow Jesus, and even those who do follow Jesus, they will look at your situation, they look at where you're at. When you're broken down on the side of the road, they can say, what's wrong with you? Why didn't you get AAA? Why didn't you put gas in the car? Why didn't you, you know, when the check engine light was up, don't be like me, where, you know, you put a little piece of black electric tape over that thing so you don't have to think about it. Or when the car starts making some funny noises, don't be like me, where you turn up the radio just a little bit louder. Right? Now, Jesus is the only one who has the right to actually look at your situation and say, oh, yeah, Sue, you're suffering this because you did X, Y, and Z. Right? I mean, Jesus is the one that could tell this guy, 
this is why you're suffering. But he said, it's neither because he sinned or anybody else sinned. This is an opportunity for us to show love. To show love. So how do we apply this? Like, what does this actually look like in our life? And I just want to suggest that the first thing is, I want to encourage you that you can be a disciple of Jesus and still get most things wrong. <laughs> Amen? Because when we watch, when we look at Jesus and we see all the questions they ask, one time, one time they were in a village that wasn't like really feeling Jesus. They weren't feeling his message. And you know what these two guys said? They're like, Jesus, like, do you, like, should we ask God to like bring down fire on these people? And I, I, you can just imagine how Jesus had to look at them. <laughs> you know? He said, the Son of Man came not to judge the world, but to save it. This is why I came. This is why I came, to heal people. This, the world has enough problems. The world has enough going on. There's enough damage in the world. There's enough issues. There's enough people and opportunities and places and lanes where you can be labeled, where you can be analyzed, where somebody can stand on the side coldly looking at you and you're on the side of the road begging and say, this is your problem. You need to do X, Y, and Z. But Jesus doesn't give you primarily advice. He doesn't give you primarily a cookbook for how to fix your life. But what he does is he comes and he saves you. And I know some of you here know this. I know some of you here have experienced this. I have. But God is a God who cares. And when other people are hating and other people are analyzing and other people are judging, Jesus spits. <laughs> right? He spits in the ground. And he grabs some of that dirt. And he starts to make some clay. And this calls back to Genesis 2-7 where God breathes life into the dirt and makes man and woman. Jesus is Lord over life itself. He's Lord over creation and he's Lord over fixing his broken creation. He can do both. And so he can take anything, a little bit of mud, and he can make it be an instrument of healing. So what I want to suggest to you tonight is that, that God is calling you to be a disciple and that you're going to get a lot of things wrong. I get a lot of things wrong. We all do. Um, I'm going to suggest to you that God's love is absolutely reckless, that it's relentless, that you can run from him, but he's going to keep running after you. And I want to say there are two things that you do in response to this message. And one of them is that you just receive it. One of them is just, you say, look, I mean, later in this chapter, Jesus gets in big trouble with the religious authorities because they actually had laws against needing. And they'd be like, you broke the Sabbath by needing that little bit of clay. You were working. <laughs> you healed a guy who didn't need, it's okay to heal like your goat if he fell into a pit and he was about to die, but if he was going to be okay till the next day, then you had to wait. For 24 hours, the only type of extreme thing you could do for somebody that was work 
would be to save their life. And since this guy wasn't dying, since this guy wasn't dying, it ticked off the people. It ticked off the people in charge. And um, they brought this guy to court. They brought this guy to court, and he's awesome. <laughs> if you know the story, he's so great because they're grilling him, and he's acting really dumb, but he's being really smart and cynical because they're coming up to him, and they're being like, was it this guy, Jesus, who healed you? And he's like, he's like I don't know. You want me to go get him? <laughs> and they're like, what do you know about him? Is he the Messiah? Is he the Son of God? And he's like, He's like, all I know is that I was blind, and now I see. And then he says, and this is hilarious, imagine saying this, on, to people who have the power of life and death over you, he says to them boldly, he says, do you want to follow him too? Are you asking me these questions because you want to know more about him? Do you want to follow this Jesus? And so, blind, and then, and then at the very end, Jesus says, the blind will see, and those who see will be blind. And he's not talking anymore just about that one instance of the blind beggar who was literally blind from birth. He's saying, each one of us is blind from the moment we are born spiritually. We cannot see God clearly. We don't even see each other clearly. Because sometimes we use each other instead of loving each other. Sometimes we act like other people are here for us just to use and abuse and to make us feel better in the moment rather than these are people who were made by God who will last forever and have value and worth. And we also, we don't see God. We look out in this beautiful creation and we don't give him the credit he deserves. And so I want to encourage you to receive this, receive this healing, receive this sight from Jesus, but also I want to encourage you to give. To give, to follow Jesus, to love recklessly, to work while it's day. And your work might be different than my work, Everybody's work is different. I always am telling people this. I mean, just because you're like maybe on disability or you're struggling very severely for a season doesn't mean there's nothing for you to do. Here's some things for you to do. Trust God, clean house. Amen? Clean up your house. Maybe you don't have, like, something always to go to, like, all day long, right? But there is stuff for you to do. You broke all the relationships you have with your family? Start building relationships. Start gathering family. Start, don't give up. Don't give up on your life. See, when you first, when you, you have to receive first. Receive this sight. Receive this love. Receive this reality that Jesus just loved you. He died for you. He's chasing after you. And then after that, now you're given. And sometimes that given looks a whole lot like taking care of yourself. So what? If you can't take care of yourself, you're not going to be able to do anything for anybody else. So clean up your house. Get things in order. Don't stop there.
Love the people around you. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for John. Lord, we, we love you. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would just be with us, um, work in us. Lord, Lord, I thank you for every single person here. God, we thank you for the city. Lord, we, we thank you for the testimonies that are sitting under this tent, for, the, for the, the lost who are now found. We thank you for the blind who can now see. Lord, we pray that there be many, many more. Lord, we pray, Father, for your love, your reckless love, to just encourage us to go out there, to get healthy, and to love other people around us. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.